0: Well, good evening and welcome to the midweek time of prayer and devotion with Cross Lanes Baptist Church. I'm glad that you're joining us and whether you're live or uh, listening a little bit later on, I hope that uh, the Bible study this evening is an encouragement to you. Uh, Just one thing I want to mention before I pray and get into our psalm for uh, this evening, Uh, we're going to start a new prayer emphasis on Sunday, uh, so stay tuned for that. Uh, With us being limited in so many ways, with our gathering and being able to get together in groups and so forth, uh, we've tried to keep a prayer emphasis going. Uh, We took a little bit of a break from our official information going out here the last couple of weeks, but we're going to renew that again and try to take that through the remainder of the summer as we see uh, what happens and uh, how soon things begin to improve uh, but i 'm thankful for everyone who has gathered with us on Sundays and has been able to do that. Uh, we continue to have a lot of space in the room, uh, so if you're healthy and uh, you want to come and join us in person, just know that there's plenty of room to spread out and we'd be glad to have you uh, in those Sunday morning services and as well as continuing to gather with us online i'm so thankful for our church family that has hung in there and and been diligent to stay connected in that way, as well as extended family and friends in different places that are joining in our Bible study and our times of worship uh, as well. So I want to pray and then I'll introduce the psalm uh, for this evening. Father, we thank you for the privilege we have to come before you, to know that you hear our prayers, that you bring us encouragement and hope and strength and peace. And Lord, we depend on you. And I know that there are needs represented in our church family that are uh, unrelated to all the the obvious things that are going on. Uh, Some people are dealing with spiritual issues and others are struggling through health problems and family needs and financial burdens. And Lord, I just thank you that you're the God that is able to meet us at our point of need and to help us. Father, forgive us where we failed you. We don't take it for granted that we can come to your throne with boldness. We know that we do so through the blood of Jesus, and for that, we are most thankful. And I pray that as we continue on in these days, that your Holy Spirit would be our counselor and our encourager, and we would be reminded each day of your presence with us, no matter what our circumstances are and the hope that you have for us, uh, that things will improve. And Lord, uh, you're in charge, you're on your throne, and that's not changed at all. So we do pray uh, for our nation, we pray for um, all who are affected with the health issues that are going on. We pray for a soon improvement, that uh, something would happen that would be uh, just... uh, uh, miraculous, Lord, even we'd ask for that, that we'd see a solution to the problem that is before us, and that we'd be able to look at it and say, This is something that uh, God has done and answered the prayers of His people. So we ask you for that. And now, as we turn our attention to your psalm, we thank you for the human experience that's so clearly communicated in your word. And I pray tonight that as we consider Psalm 141. That uh, our hearts and minds would be directed toward what it means to live a faithful life in times of trouble. And I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been looking at a certain section of the Psalms as we've begun through these summer weeks on Wednesday evening. Tonight we continue in that in Psalm 141. I'll read Psalm 141 in just a moment, uh, but the message is entitled. Faithful Living in Times of Trouble. I think it's a pertinent title as well as subject, considering the days that we live in. The psalmist was experiencing times of trouble, real-life trials and tribulation, and he cried out to God and wanted to speak to God and have God hear him with a real sense of urgency. Uh, The preacher Alexander McLaren from years ago said of this psalm it's a prayer of a harassed soul tempted to slacken its hold on god and therefore betaking itself to god one of the things that's certain is the throughout the history of the church particularly in times of darkness and times of persecution times of difficulty the church has turned to the psalms for worship and in turning to the psalms for worship has communicated uh, real life emotion and feelings to god as well as hearing back from god through his word in order to be encouraged so i'm going to read Psalm 141 it's 10 verses and if you have a bible or can find it there uh, maybe on your phone or ipad i'd encourage you to follow along beginning in verse one he says lord i cry out to you make haste to me Give ear to my voice when I cry to you. Let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not incline my heart to evil things, to practice wicked works with men who work iniquity, and do not let me eat of their delicacies." Let the righteous strike me, verse 5. It shall be a kindness, and let him rebuke me. It shall be as excellent oil. Let my head not refuse it. For still my prayer is against the deeds of the wicked. Their judges are overthrown by the sides of the cliff, and they hear my words, for they are sweet. Our bones are scattered at the mouth of the grave, as when one plows and breaks up the earth. And then verse 8. But my eyes are upon you, O God, the Lord. In you I take refuge. Do not leave my soul destitute. Keep me from the snares they have laid for me and from the traps of the workers of iniquity. Let the wicked fail into their own nets while I escape safely. There are several lessons that I want to draw your attention to in psalm 141 the first is this we learn about the importance of faithful prayer he begins to speak about prayer in verse one when he says i cry out to you god uh, make haste to me and one of the things i get from that is i think that trouble has a way of giving an edge to our prayers because it creates a very real sense of urgency in our lives The psalmist cried out and he asked God to move and to give ear to his voice. So when a child cries out to their parent, the parent hears the cry, but the parent also hears the voice. In fact, if you have kids or grandkids, you can probably pretty easily identify the particular voice it is that's calling your name. When one of your children says, mom or dad, uh, you probably recognize which child it is, not just the words that are coming from their mouths. And the beautiful thing about this is that the Lord is moved by the cries of his people to action, and he hears our voice. Now note here in verse 2, the psalmist says, Let my prayer be set before you as incense the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Now, verse 2 has a direct connection to the worship that took place in both the tabernacle and the temple. This is a reference to what the priest would do in leading the people to worship. And you might remember uh, from the Old Testament that in the tabernacle, there was an outer courtyard and the worshiper went through the gate, and the first thing that he saw on the right hand side was the altar of brass with four horns, one at each corner, and he would see the sacrifices that were burning there. As the priest went further along, he would come to a laver like a pedestal and with a bowl on it with water, and that's what the priest would use to both wash the sacrifices and his own ceremonial cleaning as he prepared to enter the holy place. As he went inside the holy place, he saw three things. On the left was the seven-branched candlestick, which was the only source of light in the holy place. On the right side was a table referred to as a table of showbread on which every week 12 fresh loaves were put out that were made of unleavened bread. Those 12 loaves symbolized the 12 tribes of Israel, and the table was a symbol of the fact that God's people are invited into his presence. God is the host, but he's the one who invites us into his presence. A little further in, before the priest arrived at the veil separating the holy place from the most holy place there was a small incense offering uh, and an altar there that was the place where the incense was laid it was not for blood sacrifice it was for incense that the priest would light up and it would give off a fragrant smoke and a fragrant perfume. And it would go throughout the entire tabernacle and throughout the holy place. And it symbolized the people communing with God, the priest interceding on behalf of the people, and God receiving the prayers and the worship of his people at his throne in heaven. And David's essentially asking in this psalm, God, when I cry out to you and I do it with haste, I'm asking you to hear my prayer and to accept what I'm saying. It brings to mind Revelation 5 and verse 8. Listen to what the scripture says. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Or what about Revelation 8 and verse 3 and 4? Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. So we find these images both in the tabernacle and the temple worship in the Old Testament. And then the vision that we find in the New Testament that... John writes of of the prayers of God's people Rising up to the throne of God And God being pleased with those prayers rising up as incense Accepting them into his presence and acting on our behalf Now in a sense, this is part of the mystery of prayer and our communion daily with God This is how God has prescribed things in his kingdom that we would communicate with him, that he has spoken to us through his word and by his spirit. And as we commune with him, God hears our prayers, he answers, and he acts according to his will. Now, every day, the priests would offer to God the continual burnt offering, not just the incense offering, but the burnt offering. And as they went through the gate into the first court where the worshipers were, they would see that large brass altar that I already referenced where animals were offered in sacrifice to God. Those animals were offered and they were intended to be a continual sacrifice to God. And the reason was to show the people that their only standing with God and their only access to God was through the means that God had prescribed. And ultimately that would be fulfilled in the once and for all sacrifice of the lord jesus christ and the reason that we have full and free access before the throne is because he has interceded on our behalf by giving of himself we pray with jesus as our mediator and with the holy spirit interceding on our behalf as well and we lift up prayers to God that God requires of us, but are also a blessing to us. The second lesson is that we learn about the importance of faithful speech. The importance of faithful speech. In verse 3, the psalmist says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. He says, Keep watch over the door of my lips. Now God has given us eyes to see, he's given us ears to hear, he's given us a mouth with which to speak. The lips serve as the door for our speech. So David says, God keep a door, uh, a watch over the door of my lips. Now here's the imagery that comes to mind. Uh, A watch is similar to a sentry. A sentry is a soldier who is armed. So if you were to go to a military installation, they might call it by different terms, but that military installation is always going to be guarded. And there's a sentry who watches over who's coming and who is going, and he's keeping a watch over anybody that comes in or anybody that goes out. This is the illustration that David is giving to us. And we all know that we can do a lot of harm with our speech. We know this all too well in the moment that we're in and our nation and just the insanity of the way people are speaking to each other and all of the division and and the identity politics and everything that goes along with all of that. There's so much language that certainly doesn't honor other people and it ultimately doesn't honor God. And it says to us as God's people, we have a higher responsibility to ask the Lord to put a watch over the door of our lips so that we would speak words that would be edifying and encouraging and helpful and ultimately words of healing. Now, I won't read the whole passage, but I would encourage you to note James chapter 3. Uh, James chapter 3 gives an extended discussion about our speech and how it can cause so much trouble and be like uh, wildfire and a deadly poison and he uses several uh, things to illustrate his point and the lord sa- says to us that our speech is important and the reason that our speech is important is it reveals what's in our hearts you see what we say is who we are and the words that we use reveals what is truly in our heart and what we care about and our example for speaking is Jesus. Now, this is a high example, but let's think just for a moment about this. Remember when Jesus was taken to the high priest's house under arrest, and the high priest was questioning him, and he was brought before the religious leaders. And in answer to a question from the high priest, Jesus replied, in John chapter 18, if I've spoken evil, bear witness of the evil, and if not, why do you smite me? So, in other words, Jesus in that moment uh, did not seek to defend himself because he had nothing to defend. He had not spoken words of evil, he had not spoken words that were contrary to the will of his Father, he had not spoken words that were hurtful to other people. Instead, we see gentleness and we see kindness from the Lord. And friends, the Bible says that God's will for us is that we would be conformed to the image of Jesus. And I want you to know that part of being conformed to the image of Jesus is speaking as Jesus would speak. It's acting as Jesus would act in the world. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 21, says, For to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us leaving us an example that you should follow his steps who committed no sin listen to what verse 22 says nor was deceit found in his mouth now verse 23 who when he was reviled did not revile in return when he suffered he did not threaten but committed himself to him who judges righteously Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. So, if Jesus, when he was reviled, reviled not, and when Jesus was spoken evil of, he had committed no sins and he had nothing to say about it, if that's the example of Jesus, then why do we think that we can get by with speaking and acting like the rest of the world does and yet still call ourselves christians and certainly faithful christians lord put a watch over the door of our lips third lesson is this we learn about the importance of a faithful heart we learn about the importance of a faithful heart Look again here in verse 4. He says, Do not incline my heart to any evil thing, to practice wicked works with men who work iniquity, and do not let me eat of their delicacies. You know why the Bible talks so much about the heart? Because the heart represents the real you. It's your heart that God really knows. See, I can put on a front for you. You, you can actually say the right things and put on an ex- exterior that looks correct and consistent with the christian life but if your heart is not right god knows that and your heart represents your personality your mind your will your emotions your affections all of these things come from the heart and that's why we're told that we are to guard the heart proverbs 4 and verse 23 above all guard your heart for everything you do flows from it now, the psalmist says here, do not let me eat the delicacies of the evil. I think what that implies there is friendship with the world. And Now, I'm not talking about relationships with people so that we can simply be a good neighbor or share the kindness of God in the, with them. Uh, And love others as we love ourselves. I'm not talking about building relationships and sharing the gospel, but I'm talking about identifying our lives and having a friendship with the world because the Bible says that friendship with the world and the world being in a negative sense is enmity with God. And we will be sure where our allegiances lie. Uh, C.S. Lewis said, there's a subtle play of looks and tones and laughs as those to whom he is speaking he will assume at first only by his manner, but then presently by his words, all sorts of cynical and skeptical attitudes here that are not his, but they might become his. And he says all mortals tend to turn into the thing that they are pretending to be. David was close to God, but he knew that he could be pulled into sin if he wasn't careful. Why do you think that Oftentimes, young people who have been raised to do what is right, they know what is right. In their heart, they've even started out with a desire to do what is right. But then they put themselves in compromising situations where the majority of the people around them are not doing what is right. And they they get in that environment, and little by little, their integrity is chipped away at. And if they are genuinely born again, I believe the Lord will bring them back ultimately to where they need to be. And if they're not, it will be evidence of that. But it's a clear warning that when we're close to God, we recognize that it's easy to drift away from God. So the psalmist is referring to the dangers of associating with evil people. He's referring to the dangers of the imitation of evil people that we need to be careful about. And then the next lesson is that we need to learn about the importance of faithful surrender. And we move now to verse five. Uh, Let the righteous strike me, it shall be a kindness, and let him rebuke me, it shall be as excellent oil. Let my head not refuse it. Now the language here is a little bit confusing, but essentially what he's praying for is a teachable spirit. And the humility or the surrender to God, ultimately, to be able to be rebuked or corrected should we need it. Now, let's just be honest. Nobody likes rebuke. Nobody likes correction. In fact, sometimes we get angry when we get rebuked or we get angry when we get corrected. And David's praying for the ability to take that rebuke. You remember when Aaron allowed the Jews to make a golden calf in the camp while Moses was up on the mountain? and um, moses is up there communing with god and they're down there making a golden calf uh, to false worship to worship of idolatry and moses comes down and judgment is executed on the people for what they've done and moses said uh, to aaron exodus 32 and verse 21 what did this people do to you that you have brought so great a sin upon them now you know aaron he made excuses and all sorts of nonsense trying to get himself out of the situation but the point is this um, Moses brought that rebuke on him and it was a timely word and it was also a well-deserved rebuke Proverbs 27 and verse 6 says faithful are the wounds of a friend and we need to learn in our spiritual life especially if we surround ourselves with good people who care about our walk with Christ and care about our spiritual life, we need to learn that sometimes people are going to need to say difficult things to us. We're going to need to put ourselves in a position to be accountable, and then when that accountability comes, we need to be sure that the pride is not so great in our hearts that we can't take it, or we can't stand for it, or we don't receive it and learn from it, uh, because that's what God would have us to do. also remember Hezekiah in the Old Testament Uh, the king who ultimately was a good man but he got slack and you remember he showed the Babylonian ambassadors all of his treasures and his gold and his silver uh, second kings chapter 20 and Isaiah comes to him and and says uh, uh what'd you show him Hezekiah says well everything and Isaiah said well a day is coming when they all will be carried away to Babylon in judgment it was a strong rebuke you remember when Nathan rebuked David? David knew this full well. He was guilty of the sins of adultery and murder and it was the prophet who came before him and told him that he was the man and then David realized because of the rebuke that he received that he had sinned against God and God alone. So I just ask you the question, do you take it well when you're rebuked? That's a sign of Christian maturity. I didn't say, do you like it? I said, do you take it well? And are you humble enough to grow from it? David prayed that God would give him the humility of surrender and uh, God would help him to see the wrong and to get it right. Humility empowers us to receive spiritual correction when we need it. Now, he continues the discussion here in verses 6 through 10, and he concludes in verse 10, let the wicked fall into their own nets while I escape safely. And he's already communicated to God here in verse 8, God, uh, my eyes are upon you, and in you I take refuge. You See, this is what prayer does. This is what surrender does. A life of faithfulness says, I I see the problems over here. They're they're real. Uh, I can't do anything about most of them. But even greater in my vision is God. And if I get my eyes off of the problem and I see God for who he really is, which helps me to put all of the rest of life into perspective, then the Lord is going to give us what we need and he will be our place of refuge that's the hope with a focus on god and placing our trust in him and in his plan that we will be able to walk safely through many dangers and temptations and we'll arrive home in the presence of the lord i've been thinking a lot lately about the christian life as as pilgrimage And I was thinking in terms of uh, especially of Augustine's writings of the city of man and the city of God or the focus on earth and the focus on heaven. And we truly are journeying through. We're we're on uh, a journey with God as disciples of Jesus. We're following him, but we're headed to the heavenly city whose builder and maker is God. And if the Holy Spirit will help us if we will surrender to him he will help us continue to keep our eyes on god to understand our purpose purpose and usefulness in the here and now and he'll give us the refuge that we need no matter what it is that we face on that journey and god blesses us in that way and for that we can be exceedingly grateful i want to pray for you tonight and i'm going to wrap up our Bible study. I just say to you, if you happen to be listening and you don't have a relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, that's the first step on the journey. That's the first step on the pilgrimage from earth to heaven is to come into God's family through faith in Jesus, turning from your sins and turning to him. And then he'll see you through. He's promised he'll never leave you nor forsake you if you'll follow after him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you tonight for your word. I'm so grateful for this psalm. Uh, It does give an edge to our prayers. Uh, We're mindful of just how much we need you. And I pray that we would come to that place where we would say, as the psalmist did, God, my, my hope is in you. My eyes are on you. And in you, I take refuge. Help us, Lord, for that to be the case. I pray you'd bless the remainder of this week. We look forward to gathering back together in worship um, this coming Sunday. uh, Continue to watch over us and bless us and keep us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Look forward to seeing you all soon, and uh, Lord bless you. Have a great week.